Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your guest host, Matt Trimble, Senior Client Portfolio Manager. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Everything we do at Pacific Asset Management is built off credit, and that starts with the analyst team. Today, we're going to discuss a recent due diligence trip to the Port of Long Beach and its impact on the retail sector. Our guest is Ron Rangel, Senior Analyst for Pacific Asset Management, Sub-Advisor for Pacific Funds Fixed Income Funds. Ron has been with Pacific Asset Management for over five years and focuses on the consumer sector across the capital structure. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Ron, given you cover retail and supply chains are so vital to the sector, you recently went on an interesting due diligence trip, and that was being a part of a tour of the Port of Long Beach in California. I'd be curious what you saw and what was the biggest surprise for you? Sure, Matt. Uh, it was, first off, a pretty amazing tour and and quite a quite an interesting and unique experience. It was about two hours in total. And we got to sail a ship through the harbor, visiting multiple different points of the port, as well as watching the container ships get unloaded actively, which was quite an amazing process. Just to give some background on the port, the Port of Long Beach and the Port of LA are two ports in Southern California. They're adjacent to each other and combined, they touch over 40% of Far East U.S. imports. The Port of Long Beach is the second busiest port in the U.S. and aids in about $200 billion of trade. It is 11.9 square miles with six container terminals, and it also has one of the deepest harbors in the United States at about 72 feet, and this allows them to handle larger ships, but they can only stack containers about five high on land as it's built on a landfill. I think initially when visiting the port, the biggest surprise was the sheer number of containers sitting at the port. It was, it was quite astounding. So what were some of your biggest takeaways from the tour? The biggest takeaways were just the significant headwinds across the supply chain and a notable backlog of containers and product that are going to need to be uh, worked through. Um, And there's bottlenecks in the supply chain ranging from warehouse space to truck and rail staffing to chassis shortages. And all of this creates a feedback loop in the supply chain. And I think when you take this all in totality, it just reinforces the concerns for retail margins in the near future. So when we talk about the Inland Empire, uh, which is about 60 miles east of L.A., where a lot of distribution and warehouse spaces, that Inland Empire has roughly 2 billion square feet of warehouse space. And as of recent, there is only less than 1% of space available. What are the repercussions of this lack of capacity? So this actually uh, relates to one of the uh, feedback loops that I was discussing in the prior question. So the lack of warehouse space in adjacent uh, industrial areas where many of the distribution and fulfillment centers are located, it's led to an increase in container deliveries that are having to be left on the chassis outside the distribution centers. This in turn then causes a shortage of truck chassis available to transport additional containers from the port, which then only makes the supply chain situation worse. I think recent news may suggest that the supply chain bottlenecks are improving, which is a positive. Um, especially since there could be a feedback loop in the opposite direction as well. But this remains an area that we're going to need to focus on going forward. Can you talk a bit more about the issues in both trucking and rail as it comes to moving freight? 
Sure, Matt. So both trucking and rail are used at the port, and I would say that each of them has their own set of issues right now. In general, from a high level, I'll just say that rail is viewed as more efficient than truck. Uh, and then jumping into trucking, I've already kind of talked about the, the chassis shortage, but my understanding is the trucking industry may also have a secular issue when it comes to drivers. And some of that is related to trucking regulation that impacts the economics. And on top of that, now you also have concern about the California AB5 law and how that could impact the trucking industry in the state. So just for some background on that, AB5 is the Uber law, which was passed in 2019 and became effective on January 1st, 2020. It affects independent contractors in California by reclassifying many of them as employees. And so this is a concern given there are many truckers that are independent owner operators in California. So there's a lot to look at in the trucking industry in both the near and the long term. And then moving on to the rail side, things seem to be worse, at least as of the tour. So rails declined as a share of the port's transportation since the pandemic began. And rail dwell times, which are essentially idle times, remain near their peak. And the rail industry is experiencing issues around labor and equipment shortages as they haven't been able to regain all of their furloughed employees from the early days of the pandemic. So I think when you take this all together, uh, it just kind of demonstrates the complexity and the fragility of global supply chains and just how quickly um, and easily things can go wrong and how bad it can get. And I think ultimately, given these are the two transportation methods the port uses, and this is a clear bottleneck, the issues here are remain something to watch in both the near and the long term. Great points to keep in mind, Ron. So if we take a step back, how about providing a, a brief synopsis on how the retail sector has been impacted really since the beginning of the pandemic until now? So the retail sector has definitely been on a pretty interesting roller coaster of a ride since the pandemic began. So initially, sales uh, fell off a cliff in March of 2020 when the pandemic uh, first hit. And then the Fed and the government came in with huge amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus to support uh, the consumer. And this led to a rapid recovery, a V-shaped recovery, if you will, in retail sales. Um, that continued pretty much through all of 2020 and 2021. And the recovery depended on, on your category. Some, some categories saw outside outsized recoveries. But overall, as a whole, retail sales really benefited from huge amounts of liquidity being injected into the system, combined with the lack of services to spend your money on. When you look at the back half of 2021, you really started to see the first signs of inflation creeping into the system. And that was really in the form of freight that started impacting retailers' margins. But not only did it just impact the margins, it also delayed the supply chain and caused inventory delays, which then caused retailers to begin ordering ahead large amounts of inventory. And then as we think about 2022, I think we all kind of know what happened in terms of geopolitics, inflation, and consumer spending. So as travel reopened and inflation took another leg up, consumers shifted their spending towards services while simultaneously tightening their purse strings, which just ended up being a terrible combination for, for the retail sector at a time when it had ordered massive amounts of inventory. So overall, this led to, to significant clearance events across the sector, which have dented margins, and I would say threatened future profitability as well as we look into the, the back half of this year. So you mentioned that the massive amounts of inventory still sitting in containers and, in theory, declining in value each day. 
How are these retailers adjusting to that new shift in consumer spending? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting concept that, of course, is not perfectly linear or what I would call an exact science. But in theory, the older inventory gets, the more its value declines. And based on what I've seen and heard, retailers have canceled orders and increased promotions to clear through excess inventories, particularly in categories like discretionary goods, where demand has been more impacted. And we've also heard of the more extreme examples, such as companies allowing you to keep the items when you request a return or refund, which isn't necessarily something new and could potentially make sense economically in in certain cases for a retailer in this environment. So I'm hoping, are we going to see some pretty good discounts during this holiday season, Ron, if I'm hearing you right? Uh, that's that's the hope, Matt. Uh, it'll definitely be better than it was last year, which was uh, what I would call close to, or if not a record low promotion uh, year for retail. So as we think about promotions this year, they are certainly picking up. And uh, so the deal should already be out there. And hopefully we get some some pretty good Black Friday deals this year as well. All right. Fingers crossed on my end here. You know, last question. It it sounds like we still have a long way to go here before we fix these supply chain issues, which is having an immense impact on the retail sector. Where are you seeing opportunity currently? First and foremost, I think when it comes to opportunities in retail, you really need to be particularly picky. I think it's a sector that's best considered when sentiment is bearish and levels are more favorable for the buyer. But I would say overall, if if you are going to be coming through retail, look for companies that have differentiated offerings and strong brand names, ideally in more niche areas where there's less commoditized product and lower competition. Um, I also think there should be a certain level of comfort around the ability of the company to grow same store sales consistently over the medium to longer term, both on secular and cyclical trends. And lastly, I would make sure the capital structure is appropriate for the business and it could handle its debt load even in a more severe downturn scenario. I won't get into specifics, but there are definitely some specialty retailers in particular that I think have pretty unique and interesting business models. Well, great. Thanks again, Ron, for joining us today. Really appreciate your insights and carving some time out for us. Of course, Matt. It was was great talking and thanks again for having me. And that's it for this edition of Getting Credit. Until next time. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. All third-party trademarks referenced belong to respective owners. Pacific Funds and Pacific Asset Management LLC are registered service marks of Pacific Life Insurance Company. Pacific Life Insurance Company is the administrator for Pacific Funds. It is not a fiduciary and therefore does not give advice or make recommendations regarding insurance or investment profit.